Welcome to People in Exile, where we have conversations, host interviews, discuss books, and engage with the Bible to help believers live out their faith in an unbelieving world. Welcome to this episode of People in Exile. I'm your host for this episode, Chris Chambers, and I am joined with the Ben, ben Ellis. Ellis. Yes, and I am joined with actually Andrew Chamberlain. That's right. Actually, Andrew. That's right. How are you doing? I'm really good. And the it's a good day. The Ben, how are you? I am doing quite well, as a matter of fact. I will say this. You know, for those out there, we record these on Monday mornings. We it's do. a great way to start our week. It really is. is. It? I yeah, look I forward to it. So I'm very thankful yeah. for you guys. Thankful for this time. Yep. And I'm yeah. I'm on time all the, always, which is nice. You know? No? Define well, on I did, time. <laughs> I did make the statement, hey, I needed to go a little bit later. Yeah. And you made, you did it. Yeah. You, you want, he was, Ben is just early. Yeah. Good for you, Ben. Let's not get carried away. Well, you were. <laughs> I, I was today. So uh, what we're doing now, we're going back into the Beatitudes this morning. Um, so Matthew chapter 5, uh, we're going to start in verse 3. Now, <clears throat> uh, over the last few episodes, well, what have we looked at? So we, I think we originally did a kind of an overview, looked at really the whole sermon uh, on the mountain. Then we uh, looked at the Beatitudes in particular and kind of did just kind of a, a brief overview of what that looks like. Uh, then we did the unbeatitudes. I thought that was kind of fun to that look really at that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, we looked over the Luke 6 passage yep. uh, in the following episode, uh, and we kind of just compared the differences that we see over there. Uh, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who are uh, in hunger now. Uh, blessed are those who mourn now. We even looked at the woes over mm -hmm. there in Luke 6 as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, so this morning what we're going to do is go through Matthew. We're going to stick uh, primarily to the Matthew text, uh, mm -hmm. uh, see what it actually says, and then uh, see what we can gain uh, from that. And we'll I figure we'll just get as far as we can go. I think it sounds good. Also, just as a reminder <laughs> for you all that are listening, we... Uh, you know, we are people in exile, and the reason we're doing these is, one, we believe this is, by studying God's Word, this is your best way to live as a person of faith in this culture. So mm -hmm. don't forget that point as we study through these together. So just kind of before we get started, I uh, wanted to mention one other thing. Um, in one of the commentaries I'm, I'm looking through in, uh, you know, for the Sermon on the Mount, uh, we... It, it, it talks about this idea of this kind of a turn. So let me let me look over the... the uh, the Ten Commandments for a minute, right? We think about the first four, and that's the vertical relationship, right? Sure. And then five through ten, uh, we see the horizontal relationship, right? Uh, we see a similar pattern, I, I would argue, in the Beatitudes. Uh, we, I would say, we, we even see a similar pattern in um, Romans, right? And one of the one of the commentators, in fact, uh, discusses this, and you see, kind of, really, really, kind of Romans one through eight, uh, you have a lot of doctrine, right? Mm -hmm. Nine through eleven deals with. Um, uh, Israel and 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 how the gospel isn't a new uh, isn't something new that Paul's teaching, but it's something altogether uh, the same. And he explains how Israel fits into that nine, ten, eleven, and then starting in twelve, twelve to the end of the book, sixteen is really that horizontal picture, right? So we have the the doctrine in uh, one through eight, and then we have uh, again this is Romans, Romans, yeah, yeah. and then and then twelve through sixteen, uh, we have this devotion that we see. All right, because of what we believe, and and I've been you and I've had this conversation in the past in different different uh, contexts, uh, but we have um, devotion that, or do doctrine, which leads to devotion. We have belief, 
which leads to action, right? Mm -hmm. And so just kind of leaning into what, what Andrew just said, uh, why is it important to study scripture? We, we can have the best of intentions, uh, but uh, again, uh, like, like we've mentioned on this uh, podcast before, Jeremiah, right? Uh, the heart mm -hmm. is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? And that goes for each one of us, right? Our hearts can justify uh, ourselves or seek to justify ourselves. Well, we're doing what we should be doing and looking at culture, and suddenly culture takes us in a particular direction, mm -hmm. and, uh, and we can start to justify, yeah, that seems to make sense, right, in, in our kind of fallen minds. Uh, if we're not constantly, if we're not careful, we're going to begin to be conformed to the patterns of this world, as opposed right. to what, what Paul says, uh, do not right. be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of mm -hmm. your mind. Of course, how does that renewing take place? It's by digging into scripture. So great explanation. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's absolutely. what we're going to do this morning. So uh, Matthew chapter five, and again, just uh, kind of to get us kicked off. And I want to yeah, make one, sure. one Clarific, yeah. clarifying question yeah. slash point. Mm -hmm. We're not going to look at Luke, right? We're, no, we're, we're no, we're going to stick with the Matthew, Matthew five section. So our right. audience knows we're really focusing in there. Yeah, on okay. the Matthew Great. five. Thank you. And uh, starting in verse two, he says this, and he opened his mouth, Jesus, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted." Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were uh, before you. So that's the text we're looking at this uh, in this particular episode. Uh, how far we'll get along uh, in that text, we'll, we'll figure that out. What translation of scripture were you reading? This is ESV, English, okay. English uh, right. Thank you. standard. Um, so, blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I, th that was one other thing I wanted to mention. In one of the episodes, we also kind of talked through the idea of of how we can see the gospel in here as mm -hmm. well, right? Um, so we'll try we'll try not to maybe necessarily lean into that unless it's helpful for you know clarification purposes. But blessed are the poor in spirit. What what in the world did Jesus mean here when he says blessed are the poor in spirit? Well, I think the the spot that you have to again. You know, we've said it, and I'll try not to keep saying this because I don't want to waste our time, but we're not looking at it from the lens of Luke. We're looking at it from this lens, and and we have to see that in spirit as being the very, the very important qualifier of what he's talking about here. So the blessedness comes with those that are poor in spirit. So way that we've interpreted this a lot is, or the way I've interpreted it, and the words I've put on it, is people that understand consciously understand that they are spiritually bankrupt they are the in and of themselves has an end they're off you know they're missing and so it i think ben will probably get into this some maybe i don't know maybe this is like you know the first domino that falls in this and it's the idea that wow you know i realize i am not right internally and and i think jesus is saying right off the bat this is the best spot you can possibly be in this fallen world as a fallen person mm -hmm. yeah i think and 
I know you said we don't want to lean into the gospel too much on this, but the the problem no. for me is is that <laughs> that I actually I actually interpret this whole lens yeah. through the whole the whole of the Beatitudes for me actually is the gospel. Yeah. So for me to talk about this is going to be very difficult not to I talk get, about the gospel and yeah, all this. Let me just clarify. But the point what I was saying is I was trying let's try to not just simply rehash what we've already stated. Right. Uh, right, right. But but yeah, again, we all, the gospel is everywhere in scripture, so I never want to say let's, right. let's get away yeah, from the gospel. Kind of, kind of put Christmas. <laughs> what didn't mean? But, but yes, I. I but, yeah, no, I mean, good clarification. One of my uh, favorite things to do is put yes, Chris on the spot, right, so I'm right, good right. with that, actually. No, but I mean, in all joking aside, that this really is for me. This, and I think Andrew's articulated it perfectly, which is if you're going to understand porn and spirit in a realistic kind of way, what we really need to understand is that this is the condition of who we are as people, right? As as people independent from God, we are spiritually bankrupt. Is is I think the phrase that that Andrew used specifically. We are. Poor in spirit, we have no attempt. We have no way of satisfying our own needs uh, in terms of our spiritual poverty. Uh, to uh, to lean into some of my reformed friends, this is where we would have leaned in and said, "This is a recognition of total depravity total in depravity. our lives." Right. So uh, we're get it's it's we're in November, kind of mid mid November. We have Thanksgiving next week, in fact, which is pretty crazy. Um, and uh, we're getting to the end of the year. And so I'm seeing an ad uh, over and over, and it's actually pretty funny. Uh, it's a, uh, a picture of a Calvin Santa, right? Calvin Santa with oh him. Oh, my with gosh. It. And it says, uh, you are all on the naughty list. Correct. And uh, kind of that idea of, uh, like you said, total depravity, uh, kind of the Romans 310, right? There mm-hmm, are none righteous, mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm. not one. Right. Uh, uh, and so anyhow, um, that's... Uh, uh, that's that's the idea that we see in porn spirit. Now, let, let me ask this uh, real quick. Why is this right an indispensable condition for receiving the kingdom of heaven? Why is there no other way? Well, well, we, okay, go ahead. I'll take a stab first. The as I'm answering that, I want to I want to make sure we don't miss out that the actual first word in this beatitude though is blessed. Mm-hmm. So I want to make yes. sure we do say that yeah. because a lot of the things that we're saying right now, if you're hearing us, it sounds really like doom and gloom and negative and all these Correct. things. Correct, yeah. And, but Jesus is actually saying this is a blessed thing because of the great reward. Mm-hmm. The kingdom of heaven, yeah. Which is the kingdom of heaven, yeah. Which is, yeah, great reward, right? I mean, we would all agree that. Uh, so the question again asked, what, Chris? Um, why is this, the, the, the idea of being poor in spirit, such an indispensable condition for receiving the kingdom of heaven? Well, I go to the example of Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. You know, when you see John chapter 3, and we have the famous verse, John three sixteen. that's actually coming in a conversation with Nicodemus. And it's really cool to read all the stuff prior to. Yeah. One of the things that Jesus points out to Nicodemus is like, he's like, you're a teacher. You should know this, you know. And what you can see in this conversation or what you can pick up on, I guess is a better way of saying it, is that you don't naturally know that you're off until it's kind of revealed or, or taught to mm-hmm. you. So mm-hmm. there has to be this level of, identification there has to be this level of clarity that says you know what man i'm not right i'm mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. I'm, there's something there and so that i think that answers where there has to be this this part of okay i i, I can't do this like there's something amiss mm-hmm. so. and, and and you know you mentioned nicodemus there coming to jesus at night and, and having that conversation and jesus telling him uh, these things uh good news is we do believe nicodemus uh, ultimately was uh was saved we do yes. believe that he, mm-hmm. he he uh became a follower of christ uh even as a pharisee actually right? i think if you look at the book of acts you can make a statement there's quite a few pharisees that probably come to christ yeah. yes yeah. Mm-hmm. and so ben let me ask you this why is it so difficult for us right as human beings to admit our spiritual 
poverty. I think the reason it's so difficult is because we have an innate pride. Mm-hmm. Like we, there is a sense in which, uh, particularly in the West, like particularly in Western and Western culture, there is a inbuilt pride into us. But I think it's also all sin is ultimately derived from pride and, and selfishness and self idolatry uh, as well. But I think that's why this is so hard for us to grasp as people, right? Mm-hmm. Even even in a even from the standpoint of was like, well, I'm not very proud. You know, I feel like I've you know I've got all this. I, you know, I do this badly. I do that badly. You know, I, I, I'm. I, but at the same time, you you go back and you think through some of that, and you're like, yeah, but you're basing everything off yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem, mm-hmm. right? If I'm only looking at myself, that is an extremely, extremely prideful way of viewing the entire world, not mm-hmm. just your immediate circumstances, but the entire world, because you become the litmus test. You become the measuring stick by which you're measuring everything. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, and I think this is what Jesus is really pointing to as a part of this, is that our actual spiritual condition is actual poverty. Mm-hmm. And, and the struggle, and this is why I think, going back to what Andrew said just a little bit ago, this is why the qualifier of poor in spirit is such an, an important qualifier in this particular context because you, you can have a lot of people looking at this at various levels of, of wealth, various levels of, of, of affluence, success, mm-hmm. all those other kind of things. But Jesus' point is, look, no matter how wealthy you are, no matter how successful you are, no matter how poor you are, no matter how much you feel like you're in the dirt, the reality is, is that you are poor in spirit. Your greatest spiritual, your greatest need you cannot satisfy. And I think there's a lot to which the human heart is very prideful in that sense. Not, not, not necessarily to lean into kind of reformed theology or, or, you know, Calvinism too much, but let me ask you a question. Uh, And it's, it's a, it's a discussion I've had with different folks, maybe, maybe even the two of you at some point. Uh, But we see again, as you said, Andrew blessed, right. Is someone who is poor in spirit. And again, for us to think about that, it's like, yeah, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot. Wait, I'm spiritually bankrupt. Wait, I'm I'm, I'm so blessed. Yeah. Right? Hashtag blessed. Right? You're not gonna see <laughs> Too that. Blessed. Yeah. Stress. <laughs> yeah. You're not gonna see that on a on a t-shirt anywhere. You know. Um, so uh, maybe we should though. This no, is maybe we you should just not. did something with your hands, man. This is why I wish we were film like had a camera. I yeah. wish everybody could have seen this hashtag. <laughs> All right, I don't want to take us too far. That yeah. was funny. So, it was a full-on J- Justin Timberlake throwback. <laughs> it was right, bad. That's right. So, uh, Sorry. Take that's it. right. Keep, that's keep right. Going, so, uh, so anyhow, th- this idea of being blessed, right? Blessed is uh, of the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And so w- w- you mentioned Nicodemus, who we do believe, uh, based on reading of Scripture, that uh, ultimately did become a follower of Christ. We also have, and we've mentioned it several times uh, here throughout just this, you know, these first few episodes, is the, the rich young ruler who, who goes away dejected, right? Sure. Goes away sad, head down, right? Uh, distraught. Um, for whatever reason, not, not, not for whatever reason, but uh, he decided right, that that was too great a cost for him to, uh, to bear uh, in order to become a follower uh, of Jesus. Um, so h- how do we distinguish between a Nicodemus and a rich young ruler uh, given the same, uh, essentially the same uh, mandate, hey, follow Jesus, right? Uh, and yet one was willing to do that, even taking, right, his, his, his uh, you know, putting himself at risk, uh, Nicodemus, right, to, to take the body of Christ mm-hmm. uh, there uh, at the, after the crucifixion, um, putting himself out there, right, uh, to those uh, uh, that had just killed him, right, and they were, he was willing to put himself in that situation, and yet the rich young ruler not willing to give away his things, uh, give to the poor, and then, and then come to follow Jesus. So how, how do we distinguish between those two? Well, you know, you started this before we sidetracked you there with the reformed aspect, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and you know, I'm not going to take one position on this or the other from a reformed or non-reformed. A reformed per, a re, those that would look at this through the reformed lens would say, well, God so desired, mm-hmm. you know, versus God didn't. And, you know, so that's one type of answer we could give. 
the answer I'm actually going to give is this, this con as Ben was speaking, and then your question even highlights it more in my mind is this concept of blindness mm -hmm. is that, and, and again, a reformed person would say, well, the only way you can become unblind is if God removes mm -hmm. the scale from your eyes. Okay, fine. But w whatever that answer is, I still say blindness because for, for again, using these two examples of the rich young ruler and Nicodemus, it seems at least in the text, one recognizes their, you know, one, one realizes the blindness of themselves and then, oh my goodness, has an oh my goodness moment versus one doesn't. Now I will say this, some, some in church tradition teach that the rich young ruler actually does become a believer. Um, and they highlight how that very next verse in that text, it says, you know, it's easier for rich, rich man. man to go through. I have a, yeah. Like, um, or camel, a camel, yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. Because you have but then Jesus, but all said, things are possible yeah. with God. God, right? Yeah, and they, they they take that and they say they, there's a story of who this guy becomes and all that. But who knows? Anyway, point being is, I would go back still simply of blindness. There is, it seems to be that there is an idea of like some, you know, Pharaoh. You know, you got Pharaoh who blind, you know, versus Paul who who becomes blind, but he gets to see through his mm -hmm. blind. You know, it's just mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just I think that's a hard. You know, hard question because you're, you're dealing with essentially two real big differences in how we're going to perceive this, you know. So. I, I, I know that there's many, many individuals out there inside the church. Uh, I know for, for many years, for me personally, uh, you know, am I saved? Have, is this, have I given a true profession of faith? Uh, is my life one that has been given fully over to uh, to God? And, and, and Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones in his, you know, uh, um, in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, one of the things he kind of mentions with these Beatitudes is they're kind of used as tests, right? You can kind of see them as, as, as a way of testing uh, ourselves. So uh, moving, moving into the next uh, Beatitude here for a moment, uh, in a moment, uh, we have uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then we have blessed are those who mourn, right? For they shall be comforted. Uh, question though, uh, why would those who uh, are poor in spirit, right, feel the need to mourn? And let me reverse that. Uh, why, uh, if, if, if I'm looking at myself and asking the question, am I, have I reached this point of being poor in spirit? Uh, I think a good question to ask is, have I mourned over the sin, which I see uh, it, it has led to me being poor in spirit? So let me, let me, let me ask that question to you. To you. Uh, why would those who are poor in spirit feel a need to mourn? Why could we look at that as a test? Well, I think, and I think this is actually one of the reasons why it's important to read the Beatitudes as a whole unit. Right. I mean, we're working through yes. them one at a time, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. It, it, we're, we're not criticizing that. But at the same time, when you really kind of dig through and try to understand what the Beatitudes are, yeah. they need to be understood as a whole unit. Absolutely. And I think what your question demonstrates is the exact need for that, mm -hmm. right? Why would a person who is poor in spirit suddenly feel the need to mourn, yeah. right? And I think that the reality is, is, or as we interpret mourn, what it means to blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted with the reality that we find out is is that the reason they're mourning is not just this is not just a general statement of those who mourn but it's connected to this idea of poor in spirit and i think part of recognizing your spiritual poverty part of recognizing your condition before god is the fact that you do mourn that i mean because there's a significant loss when you go from this perspective of hey i'm okay i can take care of myself you know even in my poverty i'm making it from day to day i am a decent person i am a a good person. I'm not as bad as so and so. And then all of a sudden, you have to come to grips with this reality that no, actually, I'm 
a pretty bad person. Yeah. I'm fairly selfish. I'm fairly self-oriented. I pretty much do everything to satisfy my own needs. Even when I do good things to other people, I do it to make myself feel better about myself. Yeah. To, to wash away and tear away all that, self, that self-conception is a very painful process. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I think that one of the struggles that we have as believers is, is particularly in our, in our context, is that we have to continue to walk through some of that sometimes and realize, you know what, holy cow, I really am, I really am once again stuck in this perspective of this is about me, mm-hmm. right? And we have to re- readjust. And, and it's, it, like I said, it is a painful process, and I think there is there should be at least some level of mourning that goes along with it. I heard uh, actually the, the, someone t- preaching through um, the story of Joseph, right, in Genesis, and we see uh, him, right, obviously thrown into uh, his his, his uh, brothers throw him in the pit, right, mm-hmm. and they pull him out of the pit and they sell him into slavery. And then he gets uh, with Potiphar, uh, and then uh, you know Potiphar's wife comes after him, gets thrown into to jail. We see this pattern over and over mm-hmm. and over in mm-hmm. his life. Mm-hmm. And and one of the points that they were making and in, in preaching through uh, the story of Joseph was that Joseph had a lot of pride, right? Think 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 sure. back when here he is the youngest. He has this uh, coat of many colors that his father had given him, not to his other brothers, oh, but don't, to him. No, don't forget his dreams, man. Those right? are great. But no, of course, yeah. Then he then he starts having these dreams, and he starts saying, "Oh, you know, I'm, man." And, and, and here are these. Well, it was the the, the corn, right? And 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 they're bowing yeah. down to 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 me. Yeah, uh, all and, his brothers. Yeah, and, and that it represents all of my brothers. And then and then they're you know they has he has another the one with stars a and the sun and yeah. the moon, and they all bow down before me. Yeah, yeah. and and so uh, the the point was that uh, you know Joseph had a, had a, a significant amount of pride. And again, you you mentioned a moment to go kind of mm-hmm. i think that's that c.s lewis uh, actually uh, has mentioned that in the past that the source of all sin really kind of starts with with pride um and I so i wouldn't quote c.s lewis though. no okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah right exactly as in always yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, anyhow uh so the, the point that he was making was that that the god was allowing him right to go into these circumstances to rip away uh, mm-hmm. that pride sure. uh, uh you know layer by layer uh you know and he he, he he ended up going back in again and again it seems if you just look at it, it's like man that's super unfair and yet God allowed him to go through those things, right? So that mm-hmm, ultimately he mm-hmm. would be in a position of humility that when we see in what Genesis 50 or so, uh, when he sees his brothers again, right, he doesn't simply uh, destroy them, right? But he welcomes them in gladly, you mm-hmm. know, and says, you know, what, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And what, what a, what a uh, perspective, right, for, mm-hmm. uh, for us mm-hmm. to have. And another thought that I had with that was for me personally, I know I've had conversations with individuals in the past regarding, um, uh, you know, sin, uh, sins, right, that in, in my life, right, in the past. And I'm like, man, I really wish I hadn't gone through that particular season uh, of life. Uh, you know, I really regret this, or I really regret that. And uh, one individual in particular, you know, said, well, I don't think you should regret it. Right? Again, you know, God used those things to bring you to where you are today. Arguably, you wouldn't be where you are today, but for going through, um, you know, those sure. things. You know, the book of Romans talks about they co-signed all that. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. he consigned all of us to this. So what? We would understand his mercy. So you're dead on. I mean, um, but the reality goes back to what we've talked about before. It's the blessed are the ones who can see that. Yeah. If you don't see that, then you're not blessed because why? It takes being able to actually see and perceive like, wait a second, there's something off here. Mm-hmm. But when you get to that moment of, whoa, there's something off, then that's your blessed state because now God's going to come in. With with the the morning, okay. So we, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This morning, and Ben kind of already uh, you know pointed to it a little bit. We're not just talking about a crying here and there. You know, if mm-hmm. you take these individually st- individual statements, you'd be like, well, you know what? I've cried before. 
for one reason or another. I've even cried in church before. You know, <laughs> right, 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 right. So because of that, I guess I am mourning, and therefore, you know, I will be uh, comforted. All right, good, good, good to know. Um, so, I, I, what what is the mourning that we're talking about here in particular? And again, we've already kind of pointed to the idea mourning over our own sin, mourning over our own spiritual bankruptcy, our own spiritual depravity. Um, wh- what does that mourning look like? Well, I'll, I'll go with Isaiah for a moment. He says, "Woe is me," yeah. mm-hmm. and he's like, "What?" And also, I live amongst people this way. Yeah. I think when you have a real understanding of your own sinful self, you're first like, "Whoa," and then you say oh my goodness, look at this world around Mm -hmm. me, you know? So I think it's a twofold answer there. I think there is, again, quickly, yourself and also the sin that is found within this world Mm -hmm. and the, 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 the uh, destruction that it causes. Yeah. I I mean, for the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. Okay. Uh, You know, even thinking about that from a very literal sense, right? Death entered the world because of sin, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Go all the way back to the garden. We can, we can see this uh, bear itself out. Um, So even, even the mourning that we see at funerals, for example, Mm -hmm. right? It is a testament to the sin, the fallen world that we currently live in. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So even in that sense, I think we can just look at nature. I mean, yeah. Talk humans, but Mm -hmm. nature itself, you know? Yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. Yeah. Death aspect. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, so, you know, th- this mourning, um, now, will, will the mourning necessarily bring tears? No, no not necessarily. Okay. I, I don't think that's the case. And in fact, there are... I would even argue sometimes there's mourning so deep that tears don't even come out. Correct. But I mean, Correct. That, I mean, I don't think tears is really the... the, the and, and I think... The litmus. Right. Yeah, and I think the point too here is, and this is, you know, you got balance the whole sentence together, right? It's not blessed are those who mourn, period. Yeah. It's blessed are those who mourn, and then in English, yeah. I think there's a comma there, right? It's certainly a second line, for they will be comforted. Yeah. So even in the sense that there is mourning, it, it might be the case that even in the mourning, the mourning is a sense of comfort, right? Mm-hmm. Because I really have figured out who it is. I understand my own spiritual mm-hmm. depravity. There is great pain at this moment, but the reality at the same time is, is there is also great comfort, mm-hmm. right? It's, 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 it's like the, someone who has to tell us the truth, but at the same time is standing there right next to us as we handle that truth. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a great way of dealing with that. That's it. a good point. Like Jesus with Lazarus. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there he is. He's mourning, but he knows what's coming. So Absolutely. I think it's just, it, it go. I mean, it just really goes back to understanding the reality of the, we're not where we're supposed to be. Correct. The world is not where it's supposed to be. There is something that has been lost. It's broken. It's messed up. And all these things go together. And so if you see that, I would argue if you honestly see that, the natural response would then be what? Morning. To mourn. Yeah. It can't be anything else. It can't no. be, oh, okay. It is, oh my goodness, this is messed up, you know, because yeah. it's just, you, the scales have been lifted. Okay, so you, you, you just said uh, it, it naturally, that's going to flow. So the, the, the flip side of that would say, if, you do, if you're not mourning over your own sin, if you're not mourning over the sin uh, that you see around you, uh, then that's probably a pretty good uh, testament to the fact that you haven't gotten to the point where, where you see yourself as poor in spirit. Right. Well, that I you would, understand would, that you're poor in spirit. I would definitely say that. The okay. only challenge mm-hmm. I'd put to that is, specifically when you're dealing with younger people, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, I wouldn't, you know... They don't maybe have a full understanding yet Yes, what that means. You may see, and I think probably with all people, to mm-hmm. be honest, I mean, I mean, let's be honest, I don't think you and I fully see it yet. Mm-hmm. You sure. Know, I, you know, I don't know that we ever will on this side. Maybe, yeah. You know? So we got to be careful because we don't want to put some kind of test that Christ yeah. doesn't put. Mm-hmm. But I think that there is a point where if you ha- if you don't have any of that, 
and, and I'm, I'm giving as much grace possible, any, you know, if there's nothing there at all, you're just like, eh, you know, completely, then I would, I would sincerely question where you stand mm-hmm. if you're claiming to be a person of faith. And again, I think this goes back to, I think this goes back to understanding the Beatitudes as a whole unit, mm-hmm. right? Because these things, these aren't check boxes, yeah. right? You're not like, okay, I'm, I've done porn spirit today. Yes. You know, uh, oh, I've done mourning today. Right. Did it, you know, and as we go down the list, yeah. these aren't check boxes, mm-hmm. right? These are conditions of our yeah. heart. Yeah. I think, and that's really the reality mm-hmm. of it because sometimes it is hard to, to really understand you know, the full scope of what it means to say that I am mourning my own depravity, right? Mm -hmm. Because I recognize that, you know, some days I woke up, I woke up just the other morning and I was, I I don't know what it was, but I woke up in a rotten mood and Mm -hmm. I was rude to my wife Mm -hmm. and I was not entirely charitable to my kids. And and I had to be like, it it took me to lunchtime to realize Mm -hmm. that. But by the time I had realized that immediately, man, I was awful this Mm -hmm. morning. I really wish I hadn't done that. Boom. Right. My heart is beginning to process through that reality. Right. Of I have done something awful. This thing is pervasive to my whole character, Mm -hmm. my whole nature as a human being. Right. And now I'm dealing with that issue. Mm -hmm. And I think that's and I think that's what Andrew's really talking about. There's got to be some level of the fact that you're dealing with the reality, whatever that may look like. And I think just to reference an uh, episode that we did previously, those unbeatitudes, you yeah. know, I think really highlight this well because here's the reality. I think each one of us sitting here today, and hopefully those who have list, uh, who are listening, can say, you know what, I can honestly both see both of these things playing out. I can see it when either myself or someone else really starts to see the gravity of mm-hmm. the situation. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I probably have seen the other two when mm-hmm. people are right. just completely cold or yep. completely oblivious to yeah. that. Yeah. And so I think that that point of the unbeatitudes or it, it really highlights mm-hmm. this and to, to bring out the, the clarification of it. And I was just going to say, you know, as we think about, you know, bringing this back to this idea of living as people in exile, we got to remember that we're going to encounter both groups of people. Right. We're going to encounter people who realize where they are on the spectrum and they're mm-hmm. going to realize, hey, look, I do struggle with the reality of my own spiritual poverty. We're going to real, uh, run into people and deal with people who are like, what what are you talking about? Yeah. And on right. that side, it makes me think of Haman. <laughs> you remember Haman? Mm-hmm. I think I'm saying yeah. his name right yeah. with yeah. Esther. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. and they, you know, there's two ways of looking at that. You're going to deal with those people. Right. And yep. one, you have to love them and care for them and, Correct. and seek out their good. But then also you have an understanding that God is going to judge and mm-hmm. he will bring about. And you just have to be patient and not take that in your own hands. Now, Absolutely. Uh, we got about 12 minutes or so and we need to we'll have to wrap it up. So I'd, I'd like to get a little bit further than where we are. Um, I, I'd like to get to the fourth. Good the attitude. Luck. Yeah, we'll see. Good luck. If we don't, if we don't, that's all right. Hit the uh, gas, bro. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. But but the the morning, the one thing I did want to mention back with the again, the promises, there's the kingdom of heaven. We do have this idea of this. Uh, already, but not yet. We have this idea mm-hmm. that the kingdom mm-hmm. is here, mm-hmm. uh, and yet it, it uh, is not, you know, eternally you know, right. Uh, that piece hasn't yet begun. It will begin uh, forever and ever. Same thing with the comforted here, right? We Ben, I think you mentioned kind of this idea of mm-hmm. even the morning itself being uh, a bit of comfort uh, in that. But um, we have the temporary comforting that we have, right? Think of a, a you know peace that passes understanding, right? Uh, going back to King James, uh, right? We have that idea, uh, but then we also have the um, uh, the future uh, comfort, or the more the bigger picture comfort uh, that that uh, you know that we shall have you know everlasting life, you know, to quote John mm-hmm. three. 
2016 there. Good. Um, and so uh, the, the other thing, I think as I've been studying through this, I've seen this third one uh, more, more uh, in line with the first two than maybe I ever have before. Um, and, and of course, the third one is blessed are the meek, right? For they mm-hmm. shall inherit uh, the earth. Um, and, and as we've discussed in here uh, a few times, uh, and again, I, I think I, I follow Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones and, and, and how he talked about this, and it's that idea that we have a true estimation of self, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, the meek, blessed are the meek. Uh, what does it mean to be meek? It means to have a true estimation uh, of self. Uh, you, know, you can go through that. You can see you know, different ways to define that as gentle and, and so on and so forth. Uh, Jesus is defined as meek, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have others uh, in Scripture that we see uh, defined that way as well. Uh, uh, however, again, a true estimation of self. Um, I see the fact that I'm poor in spirit. I see, I, I mourn over uh, that fact. And then Lloyd Jones even takes it a step further and says, uh, not only do I see that by myself, but if somebody else, if Andrew comes in and says, hey, Chris, I see something there. Ben comes in and says, hey, Chris, I see something there. Instead of me saying, you know, you're, you're, you're out of your mind. That's not there, no. Um, you know, I, I look at that and I'm able to accept what you're telling me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because uh, because I have a true estimation of, of who I am. Yeah, I mean, there are times I wake up on the wrong side of the bed. There are times when I'm not right. uh, nice to my wife or, as you said, uncharitable to my children, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, having that true estimation of self, I, I think it, it kind of takes the first two Beatitudes and encompasses that. And is really uh, what we see is a transformation that is that is taking place in the heart of uh, an individual that, that what we see here, right? What's the promise again with this one? Uh, inherit the earth, shall inherit the earth. So what's interesting is the, 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 with this concept, right, the meek, the true estimation, as you said, and you, you, I, I think one of the good ways to look at it is that promise that's always attached to it mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's the way up, or excuse me, it's the way down that gets you up, right? Mm-hmm. And so I agree with you that it's hard to separate this one from the other two because it seems to me, again, like a natural flow, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So now when you think of the verse that we've mentioned before, the wages of sin is death, if we have a true estimation of self and we can see our spiritual poverty and if we are, if we, if that has caused us to mourn, then what we realize is this, everything that you and I are experiencing right now that isn't wrath is grace. Mm -hmm. Everything, absolutely everything. The fact that we're even here breathing is grace. The fact Mm -hmm. that we're doing anything outside of being in the wrath of God is grace. And so in that, my hope for my own self, my hope for my fellow believers is that that creates a true estimation of joy. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, like look at the goodness of God because everything else, you know? And so um, I, I don't know, that's a big one for me. And I don't think that it comes without the other two, as you stated. I don't think I don't think you truly can because if you if you can't see yourself as being the object of God's wrath, then all you're gonna you're gonna see your skills and all these Mm -hmm. things and you're gonna use those as a counter or a balance to your bad versus good. So um, and I gotta be honest, speaking personally, this is one that God has definitely had to grow in my life because we were mentioning Joseph at one point, right? You know, I'm the first time I ever preached a sermon. I was seven years old and I'm up there and uh, I, I, they, they had to put a stool at the pulpit for me to preach. And it was a Sunday night. And, you know, from that point on in my life, had so many people in the church like, Oh, Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. And all that stuff went to where you hit right my head thinking I am God's gift to humanity. And it's (laughs) been years of God just saying, who, who are you? You know what I mean? And, and uh, a lot of 
a lot of destruction has had to, you know what I mean, internal for God to really build yeah. something up. So great point. Just thought I'd add that. So I think one of the things that, and this is fun. I was this in, I was just reading this this morning. Uh, it's actually Job uh, chapter one. Uh, right after everything has been taken from Job, his family's been, his sons and daughters have been killed. All of his possessions have been taken away. Uh, he rends his shirt, shaves his head, and he actually worships God. And and he says this, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed is the name of the Lord. And through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. And I think really as we talk about a true estimation of ourselves, we have to step back and say, well, who are we? Right? Where did we come from? Right? And and I and I love Job's affirmation here because his his statement really is I brought nothing into this world, and I'm going to walk away with nothing. Blessed be the name of the Lord, right? Because the reality is, is at the end of the day, and I think this blends into very much what it means to mourn, what it means to understand our spiritual poverty, what it means to mourn, what it means to have a right estimation of ourselves. is this idea that whatever we do, whatever we create, even the things that we create are dependent on something external to ourselves in order to have something to create with, yeah. right? So there's some sense in which we are utterly dependent for every facet of our reality, like you were talking about, even the fact that we got here this morning morning is a grace given to us, right? There is this sustaining sense in which we have to understand that we are not our own, even if we are not followers of Christ. Amen. I mean, on the way here this morning, my, my son, my middle son was like, we were talking, he was talking about belly buttons and he's like, what kind of belly button do you have? And I, you know, we're talking about all that. And then I'm like, you know where that, you know, you know what that is? And so we were talking about how, hey, you were connected to your mother. Mm-hmm. And if your mm-hmm. mom didn't eat, you didn't have food. And that was just mesmerizing to him for a moment. But if you think about that from a, f- from a human or a flesh sense, what? Everything that you and I have in this life is because of someone else. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if we can see that from an earthly sense, how much more is it from a heavenly sense? Absolutely. So, again, I agree wholeheartedly with what, how Chris led us out with this. This one is so much connected to the first two mm-hmm. because if we understand, whoa, I'm off and yet still God has given to me, mm-hmm. even though he says the wages of sin is death, it's all grace. So mm-hmm. praise the Lord for that. And and as we have that, as that meek, you know, uh, kind of humble and, and gentle attitude uh, to, uh, uh, as we begin to see ourselves truly, uh, we're going to begin to, it's going to change the way that we deal with others. It's going to begin to change the way that we deal with others. I it's going to be a growing process. It will be. Yeah. yeah and and, right. and I think as we, as we continue to have that conflict, you know, I think this is one of the things that, that especially, um, you know, all of us, but, but especially young Christians, newly converted uh, uh, individuals uh, kind of struggle with, because I think there's a sense that, okay, if I do this, if I accept you know Jesus as my Lord and savior, well, then life will become easier. All these problems will dissipate and go away. And, and as we, you know, as we're kind of walking through this, as we have a true estimation of ourselves, as we get, as we are dealing with others, we realize, wait, there's still conflict. There's still problems mm-hmm. out there. Uh, I wonder what's going on there. And I think that really does lead us into uh, that next, uh, that next beatitude, which says this, right? Uh, Blessed are uh, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, right? For they 
uh, shall be uh, satisfied. So I'm, I'm looking at the relationships that I'm having with other individuals. I'm seeing the conflict that's still there. I'm seeing all of the uh, the problems that that is still there. Uh, and what it and and again, what it should do instead of me looking at them and wow, man, they, you know, well they're bad. No, no, no. Wait, I, I have a true estimation of myself. I know who I'm at. I know that I've been given much grace. I know that I've been given much mercy. Right. Because of that, now I want to display that uh, to others. How do I do that? And again, it really takes us back to to where we began uh, the episode with the with the with the idea of why are we going through the uh, Beatitudes? Why are we going through the Sermon on the Mount in a, in a podcast that we've entitled uh, People in Exile, right? Well, it's mm-hmm. because it's because it, ch- it changes everything that we do. It changes everything about us internally and then and then ultimately that uh, that overflow, you know, externally. So uh, we only have like a couple of minutes, uh, but they, and, and, and I think probably what we'll do in the next episode is pick up right here with Hunger and Thirst for Righteousness. But any, any last minute thoughts kind of closing down the uh, uh, this episode? I got one and I'll go quick to give time for Ben. It's interesting. It's like this is our. We've been. It's all destructive for the first three. You, you're 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 pouring old bad things out. Now it seems like you're emptied, and now you're moving to this one. It's like now it's filled up with good things. Almost have, you know, do not follow the patterns of this world, right? Or mm-hmm. put off the old self, like you're yep. saying. And then we have this. But be con- be transformed by the ringing over your mind. Put on mm-hmm. the the new, new self. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like he's pulled it away, and now you've got this blank slate. And what is it? And you've got a changed heart. And now you're like, man, I'm hungering and thirsting for right thing. I can remember in my own life, and it specifically, I mean, I, I'm, I hope this is still the case today, but I can remember a very specific time in high school where I, I had been a believer, but I could see a real growth. I was just longing mm-hmm. for the things of God, and um, it really filled me up. You know, it really brought, I mean, there were things that happened in that time that there are anchors that I've got in my life mm-hmm. faith-wise that I'm still holding on to to this day. And so I just think it's interesting. He, It's a deconstructive, and now we're getting into the constructive. So I'll just leave it at that for now. No, I just I, again, I just think, and I think Andrew's comment again just highlights the highlights the process that's that's happening here. This is something that that as a human heart we are moving through, and I, and I'm going to keep saying it because I think it's really important because I think so many times we interpret this wrong. These are not check boxes. Yeah. This is a process we are being walked through. The word process right. is great there. Yeah. So I think, and I think that's really just what it is. I think this is the next stage of that process. This is the next formation of the human heart that's happening in this one. And one of the commentators that uh, that I'm reading through, you know, also talks of this as, as uh, each uh, level, each beatitude becomes increasingly more difficult. Uh, and, and I think if we look at it in those terms, uh, what do we do if that's the case? If we adhere to that, if we believe that that is what we see, uh, our dependence upon God should just simply grow and grow and grow and grow. And sure. grow. I can't do this on my own. I can't even see myself as poor in spirit without the Holy Spirit helping me to illuminate those things in my life. Sure. I cannot uh, uh, mourn. I'm not going to mourn over the these things unless that pride has been uprooted. I'm not going to see myself truly. I'm not going to be have a meek uh, personality. I'm not going to be a meek uh, individual, right, uh, unless the Holy Spirit helps me uh, to do that. And I'm certainly not going to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'm going to hunger and thirst for whatever I want, right, whatever mm-hmm. this world mm-hmm. offers, mm-hmm. unless the Holy Spirit uh, is there helping me uh, to hunger and thirst for those things. And again, the good news with uh, hunger and thirst for righteousness is what? Satisfied. We will be, we'll satisfied. be satisfied. Yeah, that's not, a, that's not a maybe, that's not an if. That's a guarantee that that we will be satisfied. So uh, with that being said, Andrew, you mind closing this word of prayer? Jesus, we thank you so much for this time we've had together in looking at your beautiful word. And, and Lord, just thank you for these brothers who, um, who have definitely went through this process and 
are now at the one we've ended today are hungering and thirsting. And Lord, I thank you that we're get to, getting to experience how you've filled them with your good things. And so, Lord, I pray for our audience today as they've went through this process or going through it, or maybe maybe there's someone out there that hasn't started this yet. I pray, God, that they would see the goodness in this and that, Lord, they would see how each one of these statements is a true blessing. It's not, this isn't just some kind of wordplay. It really is a blessing. And so we're grateful for that. Lord, we pray that we can be great instruments of your grace, wherever you may call us, that we truly be the uh, the people in exile you've called us to be. We love you, Jesus. We praise you in your holy name. Amen. Hey, thanks, guys. As always, thank you for listening to People in Exile. For more information, visit the website, peopleinexile.com, and make sure to follow us on Facebook. Until next time, keep praying and seeking the welfare of your city.